Hello and welcome back to another episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse. This time we are talking about The Flash, Season 3, Episode 5, Monster. Um, so both the, uh, the title and the, the actual monster that shows up uh, reminded me of, well, in the last episode, if you listened to that, I was talking about Croyd Crenson from the um, uh, uh, Wild Cards series of books. And uh, there's another fellow in there called himself Captain Trips. Now I can't remember the character's name. Oh, no, I can't. But his deal was that if he was a, he was a chemist, and if he took different chemicals, he transformed into different things. And uh, he was over in Vietnam. And there was another sort of, uh, I wouldn't call it a war exactly. Somebody was really trying to start one, and he was in trouble, and he tried to make up uh, a batch of his chemicals to turn into uh, Jumbo Jack Flash, who was his uh, flame-powered guy. And he, his chemicals were slightly wrong, so he turned into Monster. Now, all of his heroes were named after uh, 60s rock songs, right? Uh, in some way or another. So this one was Monster, uh, named after the Steppenwolf song, Monster. So that's what I was thinking of a lot when I was watching this episode, even though I will say it didn't didn't have too much to do with the episode. It was just the name and the, the actual monster itself. Um, it is a tough song to listen to these days. Um, some of it's... It's a song about America. Some of it's a little rosier than it should be. Some of it's not. But it's a, it's a song that has a lot of resonance uh, now. Uh, and you remember, it was written back in the 60s. So more things change, more things stay the same, I suppose. But um, on, to, on to the episode. There are actually four plot lines in this particular episode. There's the Caitlin Snow plot line. There's the Monster plot line. There's the Harrison Wells plot line. And there's the Barry plot line. So... We'll start with Barry. We'll go with that. He is having trouble with his new office mate, Julian. Julian has reported him for rule infractions. Um, it, it's all minor stuff. Like, uh, well, I guess not being at work is not necessarily minor. But there's unexplained absences. There's people coming over. There's phone calls he's got to take. Because, you know, Barry has two jobs. He's got the CSI job and he's got to be in the flash. And Barry points out to his captain, rightfully, that he does the work. And Julian's all, well, you don't think the rules apply to you. And it's like, well, I mean, look, he's got two very important jobs, <laughs> you know. And sometimes the stuff with Flash trumps him being a CSI. But again, if he's getting his work done, and he's getting his work done well, who really cares? Certainly not me. Also, his office hours seem kind of weirdly flexible. I think he's supposed to be there 10 to 7, but sometimes it's like he shows up at like, it just seems late. Anyway, so they, they have this problem with their relationship, and uh, one of the issues is, is that Julian is the senior uh, CSI lab tech, and he, he does metahuman stuff. He works on metahuman stuff, which, you know, Barry, stuff that Barry needs to know for his work as the Flash. So at one point, he offers essentially to be Julian's intern for a day so he can uh, get some information on the monster case. And then they go out to take a look at uh, a transformer that exploded when the monster passed by, and then the monster shows up again. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Julian apparently has a gun that he carries, which most CSIs don't, but he carries a gun. And uh, Barry saves him from a, a falling sign, and, you know, there's that. And then uh, later on, Julian has figured out where 
they figure out that the, the monster only appears in a 10 block radius and somebody must be controlling it for somewhere and Julian figures out where the person who is controlling it is and goes uh, right about the same time, or a little bit before actually, uh, Cisco figures out the same thing, gives Barry the information. So, you know, Barry as a flash runs over there. Turns out there's a 15-year-old kid at a computer controlling a giant monster hologram. And Julian is, you know, telling him to, essentially trying, him arrest, trying to arrest him, doing stuff that um, CSIs on the CSI franchise would do, but actual CSIs do not, right? Julian should have never have gone there without uh, at least a couple of officers um, to, to go with him. But he, uh, before, like, he actually sees the kid, he just sees this guy at this uh, desk who jumps up, he, he shoots him, and the Flash is there, or shoots at him, rather. The Flash is there to stop the bullet and rescue the kid and whatnot. Um, and that so, sort of sobers Julian a little bit. Sort of sobers sobers him up, um, shakes his worldview. And the next time we see him, uh, Barry, who is offered to move in exchange for the internship, or following Julian around, is there packing up, and Julian has a monologue about how he feels powerless in this world of metas, like... He doesn't have their power, and he was a CSI, and then suddenly the world changed, and he doesn't know anything about metas, and yet he's trying to figure out what's going on with uh, metahuman crimes, and he just, you know, generally feels powerless. And Barry sort of sympathizes with him a little bit, and then they, they go off to get a drink, perhaps uh, indicating that there's going to be some sort of progress in that relationship. Uh, Julian's also said earlier that he doesn't, he, he doesn't like, he resents metahumans because A, because essentially he doesn't have powers, and what he sees is they most of them waste theirs. And that's something I've noticed, too. Like, there are a lot... I mean, I realize it's Freak of the Week, Flash has to have something to do. But most of the metahumans that we come across are criminals. And that seems weird to me, because I don't know that that's a natural reaction to getting those kind of powers. Especially if you grew up in uh, a world where there were superhero there was a superhero media right it's like you be the good guy you can go out and do stuff i would expect like you'd, you'd end up with a lot more vigilanteism uh than you've got but um but that's not the case so it's just something about something about um well i guess how you tell a story in the cw Arrowverse, uh, the metahumans end up being criminals okay so we've got that that's the barry plot line um, the Caitlin plotline, and the thing is, most of these plotlines, like the Caitlin plotline, has nothing to do with uh, the monster. Although the Barry plotline, the Wells plotline, to an extent, and uh, obviously the monster plotline do. So the Caitlin plotline is, of course, you know, she's developing powers and she doesn't want to become Killer Frost. Uh, in fact, the last episode of the Flash, uh, at the very end, she was in the shower and she froze the shower, and then she noticed that some of her hair had become white and her eyes had changed color, and she started to cut out the white locks of hair. And it's, I don't, um, I, I, they're doing something that I don't agree with here, which is she is getting the powers of Killer Frost, and she is changing into the mentality of Killer Frost too, and that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me uh, unless. Like magenta, you've got disassociative personality disorder or whatever it's called. I, I I don't think that getting these powers should suddenly like oh now just because I know that somebody else out there had these powers, another me had these powers and was a killer. Now I am becoming like that, so I'm also taking on the um, personality attributes of, of that um, person. Uh, um, yeah, I, I 
I think that's what they're they're going towards is that her like coming into her full power is going to make her crazy, and it's like I I just you know like let's let's not make all the metahumans criminals if we can, especially let's not make people on Team Flash criminals. Like it seems like she might be able to control it a little more than she is. Although I will admit that Caitlin has uh, experienced an extraordinary amount of trauma on the last two seasons of the Flash um, between the Ronnie Raymond thing and the Jay Garrick slash uh, Hunter's Element thing. Um, uh, okay, quick explanation because I didn't review most of those. Um, uh, she was engaged to Ronnie Raymond and then he and Professor Stein sort of merged and he kind of disappeared for a long time after the, uh, the incident with the Dark Matter. They separated them out. Uh, Ronnie Raymond was then a full person again she and Ronnie got married by Professor Stein, who is apparently, in addition to being science dad, he's also a rabbi. So there you go. Good for that. Uh, and then because of the whole Eobard Thawne thing, there ended up being this huge, you know, dimensional vortex or whatnot. And both Firestorm and the Flash were needed to, to fix it. And Firestorm ended up separating um, in the as a result of what they had to do to stop the interdimensional vortex from going critical and exploding and doing a whole bunch of bad stuff. And Martin Stein survived. The Flash caught him as he sort of fell from the sky out of what used to be the vortex. And Ronnie Raymond just disappeared, presumed dead. So that was, that was one, you know, Caitlin had this trauma of thinking he was dead and then he was, uh, he came back alive and, or he turned out to be alive and then he was dead again. Uh, and in the second season, she got really close to Jay Garrick, who she thought was Jay Garrick, and then he and then <laughs> watched uh, Zoom kill uh, Jay Garrick, and then turned out that Jay Garrick was actually Hunter Zolomon, who was actually Zoom, and that was something that she had to deal with too. So she's you know she's had a lot to deal with over the last couple of seasons of The Flash, but I still don't agree with her becoming Killer Frost. Um, anyway. So she goes to her mom, who is also a scientist, to not only get a read on these powers, but to get some sympathy from her mom because she's so frightened. And what she gets is a bunch of tests and uh, somebody who's not really good at being a mom, not being a mom in the way Kayla wants her to be a mom uh, until, of course, the very end. And that's only because uh, Caitlin's mom's lab tech tries to trap her in the lab because he's sick of doing things that will benefit Caitlin's mom. Uh, I should mention Caitlin's mom. Her last name is Tannhauser. I don't know that this means anything, but uh, Tannhauser is an old German legend. Uh, Wagner turned it into an opera. Um, probably an anti-Semitic opera because that's who Wagner was. Uh, but it's it involves a story of a, a, a knight essentially being not really trapped but it's 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 sort of a it's a, it's a fairyland story he goes into uh, venusburg which is uh an underground city where the goddess venus holds sway and it's pretty much a big old pleasure palace and whatnot not that I, i'm i'm sh i don't know what if any relevance this has but um there you go also i feel it necessary to mention that the tenhauser gate is one of the things that gets uh, name-checked in Roy Batty's final speech in um, Blade Runner. So there's that, too. Okay, uh, so the lab tech is sick and tired of working for Caitlin's mom. He basically tries to trap Caitlin in the lab. Caitlin starts freezing his arm, and then her mom comes in and says, No, I know, you know, I haven't been the greatest mom. I don't know you, but I know you're not a killer. 
Um, and again, it's like, well, dude, dude was being all creepy, and I don't necessarily think he should have died for that, but I also don't think Caitlin was out of line using her powers to stop him, um, because he was being creepy. Uh, and again, whether she used her powers too much, whether she overreacted, uh, in that way, using her powers, uh, to a greater degree than was necessary, it's something you could talk about, but again, I really think the show is sort of forcing her to go in this evil direction and I don't I don't care for it um and then she gets she goes back to team flash there's a little bit of discussion this is like sort of the climax when they're dealing with the monster and at the end of the uh episode she gets a message from her mom saying uh your body is changing in ways we don't understand uh don't use your power but the more you use your powers the harder it's going to be to turn them off so don't use your powers until it's unless it's absolutely necessary actually don't use your powers at all and then Caitlin's eyes go all killer frost and she freezes the desk and the computer um, that she's using to talk to her mom. And again, it's like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why that happened, but it did. Okay, so that's the Caitlin plotline. The Wells plotline, essentially we find out that the Harrison Wells from Earth-19 is an idea guy. He's not actually a scientist and he points out that he did have a couple of good ideas which did help, and he wants to stay to, to prove himself, but he's talking about how he's sort of the face of Star Labs, and he's not really a scientist, and he doesn't know what to do, and he is kind of a novelist, but he's also not the one who solved uh, the puzzle that they encoded in the message that they sent out, so it's debatable as to whether this Harrison Wells is going gonna, is gonna to work out. I, I really think at some point Harrison Wells from Earth 2 is just going to come back and maybe split his time between Earth 2 and Earth 1, but you know, that's just me. Again, can't have Team Flash without Science Dad. All right, that's pretty much the Wells plot line. Uh, just, uh, Cisco is the one who suspects him. Cisco is the one, he doesn't really get along with Cisco. Uh, Cisco doesn't get along with him. So that's that's the main thrust of the Wells plot line. Then the monster plot line, of course, there's a big old monster terrorizing 10 blocks of Central City. Uh, every time it, it walks by, car alarms go crazy and transformers explode. And that's just because the energy drain, energy drain required to create a hologram of a giant monster is uh, quite large. And I guess that's that's pretty much it. We already talked about how he's being controlled by a 15-year-old kid. Um, also, I want to say that the 15-year-old kid, there were no windows, <laughs> at least that I could see in the room that he was in. So, I mean, if they, he was doing line of sight, it was a very strange line of sight, like uh, maybe controlling him through the computer line of sight type thing, but it was it was a little odd after they, they went to such trouble to point out that essentially this whoever was controlling the monster had to be able to see the monster, and he really wasn't able to see the monster from where he was. Um, all right, so that is my take on this episode, and that means we have come to the end of another episode of Arrow Chapter and Verse. So I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, I hope you're doing well.